yeah, you know, I would never miss out on this. This, this is my favorite time of the week, getting to do the podcast with you and uh, just getting to talk and <clears throat> shoot the shoot the crap, you know. Shoot so, the crap. <laughs> it's it's a good yeah. thing. So, well, how's I, everything uh, been going up there? Going pretty good up there in the the state of New Jersey. In the, the cold north, yeah, man. So, uh, you know, Thanksgiving last week, right? So yeah. typically Brian and I do some fishing uh, either the day before or the day after Thanksgiving. Uh, that didn't happen. But I did I did get the opportunity to take the nephews down to Sandy Hook, and we did some striper fishing. Um, I, man, it was beautiful out. It had to have been 50-something degrees, and uh, we were out there. There had to have been another, like, 30, 40 guys in this mile stretch of beach. Oh, wow. Everyone throwing everything you could possibly imagine, and <laughs> nothing. nothing. In, in more. They were throwing everything in more. Everything and more, yeah. I I did manage to catch one, uh, a small little diaper striper, and um, my nephews, you know, jigging along, and they had a couple hits, but no, they weren't able to land anything. So a little disappointing. Um, but any day outside is a good day. Yeah, I agree. Well, you know, it sounds like uh, the those stripers were a little pressured that day. Like Christ. <laughs> That many people and just that short stretch. Imagine what it looked like if you could do a panoramic of the whole Jersey Shore. I mean, it was probably nuts. It was a nice, yeah. nice day that day too, wasn't it? It wasn't too cold. Oh, it was beautiful, yeah. man. It was a really beautiful Black Friday. We, um, I just was just looking on on Instagram. I just followed a guy randomly. Uh, it popped up in something I might like under the hashtag fishing, and um, he's a marine biologist out of. Um, I believe it's out of the Newport area up in Rhode Island. And he has underwater footage of these schools of striped bass. Oh, yeah. That, that was crazy. Women. Oh, my God. Yeah, I sent it to you, right? It's beautiful to see something like that. And at the same time, it's amazing. You know, you don't think they would be fishing that tight in, in, in groups like that. But they are. You know, they, they, they really are. But it, it's, it's, it's amazing, you know. I tell my daughter, Riley, she, she should study marine biology. You know, I go back and do it all over. That's what I would have went for. Yeah. I think that career field is got to be amazing. Um, actually, a, a friend of mine, I went, I went to school with him from like preschool all the way through middle school. He, uh, he's a marine biologist, you know, and uh, like at 23 years old, he was in over in Australia for like three, four years. And then, Hot there and then to some tropical islands just living life you know just an amazing job i mean his job was beautiful on the ocean in a boat i mean you can't beat yeah, that I was, I was just talking to a buddy of mine he's been rebuilding his boat for geez three four years now. <laughs> uh he's 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 one of those guys that i went to his house for the first time we were former co-workers and he had three boats in his driveway and they were all project boats um but he did he bought a an ocean boat for the first time and um a nice big boat with a cabin wow. and everything wow. in it. and he's been working on it for three years and he we anyway we were, he calls me today and we were kind of talking a little bit shooting the shit and he's he's telling me how um you know he's like man he's like i, I really i'm tired of he lives here in jersey he's like i'm tired of this too he's like i just I would love if I can talk my wife into living on the boat and just yachting around or sailing around and 
enjoying life. Dude, things like that, you know, I, I feel like you just got to do it. And, and if you do it right, things, things will break the right way. Um, yeah. Or even at least getting down South. Like for me, like I want to be down South, like just the warm weather, you know, good fishing, the ocean, just down South is a whole different vibe, like much more laid back, easy going. Um, my goal to get, to get down there. You know. yeah. It's just, I, I have a buddy, um, my good friend, Brennan, he, you know, he grew up here with me in Maryland, uh, in his early 20s. I don't know why my iPhone is so special, but Brennan, he, um, he moved to San Diego and he lived there for six, seven years, came back to Maryland in about, um, five years ago, he, he moved down to the Charleston area and mm-hmm. he said it's the place for him. He, he absolutely loves it. Just loves, the, you know, the culture, the people, the weather, and, um, uh, He's, he's never coming back. I mean, that, that's going to be his forever home. I can't. I honestly can say I, I don't blame him, but, you know, I I don't know. I think it's tough. There's a lot of things that go towards it, right? Like, you, I'm watching Yellowstone. It's on the Paramount Network. It's a Kevin Costner TV show, and uh, you know, in the fictitious world that they live in. Kevin Costner owns one of the largest ranches or the largest ranch in Montana. And, like, there's something romantic about that and thinking like you know wow like imagine striking up and going somewhere else and you know creating this life like living on a boat would be hard like i'm sure that would be hard owning a ranch or working on a ranch would be exponentially harder oh it depends to me like that type of work is 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 fun work um my buddy joe joe kelly uh, years ago we had this idea called man camp because you know when i go over there and hang out (laughs) with joe you know us hanging out, rebuilding old FJ-40s or, you know, building stuff, going fishing, that, that type of stuff like you would do on a ranch, you know. On a ranch, you got the animals, you're building, and it, it's fun to us. Like, it, it's a f- fun work. Um, I, I think that makes life a lot easier when you truly enjoy what you do. Um, the boat thing would be a little, little tougher, but <laughs> people do it. I mean... And it works for them. I mean, yeah, I, I think, you know, like I said, it's something cool about it. I don't know if that directly is something that I would be down for, but um, he was saying that his, his wife is, you know, they've become disenfranchised, even him, because of Jaws, right? right. Their children from that era, or, you know, they, they grew up in that era. And it's like, you know, you're going over, talking to a friend of mine, I was showing him uh, my Navionics app on where I was fishing. And I said, look, like you go out, I don't know, let's, let's zoom out here and then zoom in randomly, like maybe 50 miles off the Jersey coast here and see what it looks like. And, you know, there was a spot that was like, I think it was 13,000 feet. Yeah. That's insane. I'm like, you can't even, your mind can't comprehend that. And he was saying his, his wife really like, she freaks out about that. Like she doesn't, she thinks like, Oh my gosh, this wide open space here. And it's gonna, you know, you jaws and some megalodon or something. So, so I've never, I've never swam in water near that deep, 
but you'll hear guys talk about you know being out there and getting in the water when it's hundreds of thousand feet to the bottom and, and how it's just like fear inducing like when you're in that water like you wouldn't think it would be but once you get in there it's like oh my god you know just the vastness, exactly. right? It's like it would be – I would equate it to almost being like you're an astronaut and you're doing a spacewalk. It's just right. the vastness of the situation. It, it's like hard for your brain to comprehend. And when – in order to be that deep, you have to be so far away from land. Oh, yeah. You're, you don't see anything, oh, yeah. right? So you're just – you can see the curvature of the earth when you're yeah. out that far. Like it's amazing. Um but he, he just said he it would be a hard time talking his wife into it because of that. And I think I, I, I said, I, I kind of can't blame her. <laughs> like, I don't know if I could do it. Like, I don't know if that life's for me. Well, see, I, I've known people who who have moved down to. Um, and um, yeah, got like a little shanty in the Virgin Islands and spent the majority of their time boating, sailing around different islands, you know, spending a great amount of time in the water. But they did have that kind of home base to go to and they and, and they kind yeah. of made a living out of it like uh what they would do during the busy season really it's busy season year round but really during the peak tourist season down there they would bartend for a couple months and then you know make their money and then you know six months on the boat and and, and they loved it but they weren't you know going out in the middle of the Atlantic and sailing these vast 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 oceans you know they're island hopping they would even go up to Miami you know you know they loved it. They absolutely loved it, and and they're still down there, and I, I think they're in their their late sixties now, and, and they're still doing it and still loving it. Kind of that whole Jimmy yeah. Buffett mentality. I mean, that's what Jimmy Buffett does. Like four weeks ago, he was actually um up in I think it was Northeast Maryland. Yeah, he came all the way up the bay, in his boat, all the way to the top of the bay, and went to this restaurant up there, and uh. He's got that awesome boat, yeah, and he just sails everywhere. Well, it's not a sailboat. I mean, it's a huge powerboat, but yeah. And yeah. I was thinking about that because I was fishing, I think, the day he was there, the day before. And there was rumors he was around because his boat's so telltale. I was just thinking, you know, the amount of water he covered to get there, it's just, it's just crazy. You know, probably came up the ocean from down south and then, all the way up the bay to the very end. I mean, it's it's awesome. Yeah, it's a, it's that's cool. I, I I get the allure of it, and I respect those who do it. I just, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I've, well, see, I said it before. I just it's one of those things, right? Like they just either you either you're into it or you're not. Like I right. don't get seasick. I you know we we talked about this. So we I did a bachelor party years ago with a friend, and we went on a it was week fishing and these guys man like the boat was just churning and then the <laughs> ocean was just going for it and people were puking everywhere and me and my brother-in-law kenny were we're standing on the boat and we're fishing and everyone around us is puking overboard and i'm completely yeah. fine kenny's completely fine we're just fishing catching tons of fish and um i don't typically get seasick and i think i would be okay i think it's I don't know. It's in our genes, I guess, that we're seafaring people, but uh, it's just not something that I would rather do. I would rather, I'd rather stay near the beach somewhere and go fishing when I need to or want to. And, right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that, that's, that's more, more my speed. That's more my speed. I would like to live down south, fast boat, and have a 
you know, a boat I could take out in the ocean and center sail to the islands. You know, my uncle, my, 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 um, my mother's brother, he lives south of Tampa and that's what he does. I mean, he's got, he's got his place in, just south of Tampa and he's got a boat, um, a nice boat and, and, and they'll take it for long weekends and go down to the Keys and the Bahamas, but they have that home base, you know? Yeah. And, which, which is cool. I, I yeah. get that. Um, but we, so we went down there, you know, I'll say we got skunked because the boys didn't catch anything. That's always disappointing, right? When you're taking people fishing to me, I don't necessarily care if I catch fish on those days. I want to be, I don't know, the guide mentality right? Yeah. and make sure that they're, they're having a good time. They had fun. I mean, we went for tacos afterwards and I think that was more than enough being out on a beautiful November day fishing and then getting tacos to call it. Yeah, I'm sure they had a blast just being out there on the beach and just doing it. I mean, I remember being that age. Well, well, Jimmy's older, isn't he? Yeah. You remember being that old? I don't remember. I do. I, I remember being Ryan's age and just being happy to be out there fishing. Like, even if I wasn't catching them, I was just happy to be out there and, and, and part of it. You know? And it was, yeah, I guess that's maybe like the type A thing, like that we are. It's like yeah. You want them to catch fish, yeah. and I want to catch fish, and I, you know, like you want everyone to make sure everyone has a good time because some of the best memories I have growing up was fishing with my grandfather, yep. and you know, I honestly some of the times I don't remember catching fish, but it felt like we always caught fish. Oh yeah, it was always um, the whole process was always fun to me as a young kid, and it still is today. Like even still to this day, whether it's tournaments or whether I'm going fishing the next morning somewhere. I have a hard time sleeping. Like, I, I, I can't. Like, I'm just. Isn't that funny? And then, and then at the same time, it's like you have a hard time waking up early. Yeah. There's that meme that goes around every so often. It's like, you know, 6 a.m. on a normal work day, you're like fighting to get out of bed. You know, 5 a.m. on a fishing day, you jump right oh, yeah. out of bed. You're ready to go. Oh, yeah. Because the excitement of it all. Well, yeah. I'll start rigging tackle like at 4 p.m. or 3 p.m. that the day before. Stop and stop at midnight and just can't sleep. Like, just too excited. Or I'm going over, you know, all the scenarios in my head. Like, just dying to get out there. You know, it's what do they what do they say? You know, a bad day on the water beats you know a good day at home. I mean, yeah, well, it's tough to argue that. You know, I it, yeah, I, I get that, and I'm okay with it. I or a good know, day at work. We'll like say. I said, we'll say a good day at work. Oh yeah. That's true. And I'm okay with that. I, I think that's a great way of putting it. And, you know, I, I, I know they had a good time. They were so yeah. happy. Like they were, I dropped them off and their father was, you know, they're telling their father, Oh dad, this, yeah. and whatever. But, um, you know, I have an amazing wife. She, <laughs> she knows that, you know, like, um, the, the, that Saturday, right. The next day, she's like, we were outside doing, I don't know what yard work or something. And she's like, Hey, let's take the ca- the canoe out. And I said, oh, and she's like, oh, I was like, okay, you know, like I don't know. You try to balance it where you say, okay, like, like, you know, she's always she's always so understanding. Donna, of wanting to fish. Donna is go hiking. a complete saint. I mean, there's no driver. <laughs> no, there isn't. I, I, but but she like we went hiking like uh what was it last month and i I bring my tenkara rod with me because it's i know there's a little stream there and i've never fished this little stream before and 
you know, I bring it with me and, you know, I'm trying to be mindful and say, all right, like, I don't want to slow down the hiking at all by constantly casting in, but, you know, I'm like, let's just hike and I'll fish afterwards. And she's just finally like, Michael, just go throw it in. Like, <laughs> when are we going to come back here? And it's like, wow, this is amazing. But so she, she wanted, she goes, let's take the canoe out. Let's go to the lake in town and, 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 you know, go canoeing for a little bit. So it's beautiful. Let's, let's do this. It's great. So I wasn't intending on bringing the fishing rods. I was like, you know, it's a beautiful day. You know, the lake has a bunch of different birds that are coming down on it. So, you know, let's, we'll bring the big camera. We'll, you know, canoe around a little bit. We'll, you know, see some wildlife, you know, maybe go see the beaver that lives there, whatever. So we're going to leave. I have the canoe on the car. She's like, Hey, where's your fishing rods? <laughs> see, I, okay. And it's like, all right. Pause real quick. My philosophy is ever since Donna started catching fish with you, she is secretly getting addicted to fishing. I think, her you're, guilty, I think you're right. Her guilty pleasure. She kills it, man. Like, she does. I can't even explain to you. Like, I, like I take shit. This doesn't always happen, but I, typically, like, I'll, I'll put the lure on for her. I'll have her look at the lure that she wants. I'll tie it on or whatever. And if she catches a fish, which she pretty much always catches a fish. I will take the fish off because I have the net. I'll net it, just take it off, hand it to her, let her take a picture with uh, with it, depending on the type of fish it is, and, and call it a day. But she definitely, um, she's, she's funny with it. Like, she has a guilty pleasure because oh, she yeah. always says that to me. She's like, why don't you bring your fishing rod with you? Yeah. But we make it out there, and you were saying, you know, in the last or a couple podcasts ago, you know, uh, white or chartreuse chatterbait, right? Perfect yeah, time of year yeah. for this. And so I had it on my big rod and I said, here you go. Um, we got, we got that on. I put a rooster tail on the other one, I think. And we're casting out. She had an issue with her rod for some reason. So I, so I took that, I handed her my rod, which had the white chatter bait on it. She casted it out. Now this is five minutes on the water. <laughs> she has my rod now for the first cast, cast it out there within seconds has a massive bass on isn't that amazing how that works <laughs> and and jumping out of the water yeah. right in front of the boat as she's reeling it in now of course it's my fault because i didn't net it fast enough she went to go put it in the net and i missed but you know it's a little bit difficult when you're on a canoe right yeah, like try not to tip you're... the canoe game is a. Uh, if people haven't fin- fished from a like a legit canoe it, it's it's definitely a, a different different experience you know like you said, you got to worry about tipping. You got to worry about yard sailing and all your gear going in the water. And, you know, but you know, even the best netters out there miss fish. You know, it, it happens frequently. But yeah, so I, I felt bad. But she, you know, we we went over to that cove where you caught that nice yeah. bass uh, when you were up here, and um, you know, it was very shallow. I was very surprised at how much, um, you know, vegetation there still was in the water. Yeah, um, I was going to ask you if there was a lot still. Out. Yeah. Oh man, it was really bad. It was like almost every cast we were pulling it up and, and it's crazy that grass vegetizing. Yeah, it's crazy yeah. that grass sticks around, you know, because you guys have had some really cold days and nights, you know. You would think it would be pretty much gone, but you would it, hope it so, sticks around. It sticks around for a good bit. Yeah. It's crazy. So she she caught a nice size pickerel and um so she now fished total two two to my none. And you know, I didn't I wound up it was windy, so I was trying to keep us in position because it is a smaller lake. Yeah, um, I was trying to keep us from crashing into some things, especially in the shallows there. And um, I didn't really fish too much, but um, 
no no hits for me and no fish and two for her. I, it's amazing. Well, last time she went out it's with like, you, didn't she catch the was it the lake trout? Is that what she got last time? Oh yeah, so we were up at one of the lakes here, and we're jigging at about sixty feet deep, uh, right along this ridge line underwater. And I caught one. I was super excited. It was like a nice twelve-inch lake trout, and I was like, "Yeah, I caught a lake trout, right?" <laughs> and um, all of a sudden, she—it's on my Instagram. She she catches one, and I, like I'm re—I don't know what I'm doing. I'm doing something, and I'm not paying attention to her. And all of a sudden, I hear Michael, and I like look over. She's like. It's. I think I'm snagged on something, and I'm watching the tip of her, yeah, just dipping. I'm like, nope, you got yourself a, a nice fish on there. And lo and behold, it was a. Uh, I think it was 24 inches. Yeah, it was. It was a good one. I'm telling you, she's secretly in love with fishing. I mean, it's her. It's her guilty pleasure. I'm. I'm convinced. I'm convinced. I, I'm okay with so, it. Who wouldn't be? You know. A woman who fishes with you? I mean, ding, 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 sign me up, you know? Like, Well, we used to we used to joke, like, uh, buddies growing up, and we would say things along the lines of, like, you know, you want, a, you want a girl, right, at the time, to date a girl that liked you doing things but didn't necessarily like doing the same things that you right. did, right? So, like, like surfing, for example. You know, I want days that I can go out and surf with, with my friends. Yeah, you want your guy time. You want your guy time. Now, fishing... Is the same thing, like you watch guy time, but I can't think of a better built in fishing partner than your significant other. No. Like, yeah. I would like people who say that, like, I wish I could take back what it is that we used to talk about back then about you know, like, you know, the guy, guy time, you know, only for these sports that we play and things that we do. It's like, no, yeah, no, I mean, uh, to me, uh, a woman who fishes with you, like, that something about that is just sexy to me i mean <laughs> <laughs> well well i know you only love coming up here so you can have that homemade italian oh god no, i mean she's a saint i mean let's go down the list she's a saint i mean she fishes and she can cook her ass off it, yeah whew. She, she's something i always say I, I tell michael you know next time i come up there michael when new jersey lets people back into their state we got a, I'll, I'm pitching in. We're getting her a spa day because last time I was up there, oh, hell yeah. we left like at five in the morning <laughs> and fished the, the dark. Three, three lakes. Yeah. Three, three, yeah. And she was just like, Oh, Hey guys, are you going fishing tomorrow? Like uh, what? You know, <laughs> few, few and far few between. Few and far yeah, between. She's a saint. It's something else. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm blessed. That is absolutely. But it's uh, funny. Sure. Um, she's probably we're talking about women fishing. That I'm talking There's about. um. Luke Duncan has a podcast called The Traveling Circus. He's, he's a fishing guy. And he had, um, oh, Kristen, I forget her name. Um, she's a pro kayak fisher, fisherwoman on there. And, and they were talking about um, women in the fishing industry. And, and Kristen, when she started Instagram, um, one of her posts was along the lines of, basically she was, she was making reference to all these girls you'll see on Instagram or women who fish naked and thongs and 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 she's not about yeah. that you know she, she's wants to fish and 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 make her name for fishing not for not being you know she's very pretty but she she doesn't want to sell her body to to get likes and 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 to get sponsorships in uh, the fishing world and um she's an incredible incredible fisherwoman and i th- i think she actually just took third place in the hobie nationals and um 
they were talking about that. And uh, the reason I bring it up because sponsorships, like tournament anglers like myself and a couple other buddies I know who who have won more than I have and um, been in the running for angler of the year several times, have a hard, hard time getting sponsorships, even getting looked at. And the issue is when, they, when you reach out to these companies, nowadays the first thing they ask you is, how many Instagram followers do you have? How many Facebook followers do you have? Do you have a YouTube channel? How many YouTube followers do you have? It, it's, it's not about – they don't care about your placing or the tournaments you're fishing and yeah. how you're doing, which just blows my mind, you know, absolutely blows my mind. And, and they had a real good discussion about that at all. I, I know it. Well, it's something you, that you so, that weighs me the, down, the, and other people I know too. Because if you're fishing these trails and and you're trying to be successful at these trails, that's a lot of work and effort put into that. And then you throw into that people are working still their normal jobs and fishing these trails. So, I mean, you're just packed with work if you're if you're practicing, you're learning the bodies of water, and you're working a forty hour week. You know, you don't have time to build some huge social media presence. And, and, and to me, it's, yeah. it's just it's backwards. It's really backwards in the industry. Well, I think you bring up a, a great point, Joe. I, you know, I we see this on our Instagram. Yeah. Right? Like I, I was joking with Donna about it. I said, you know, I, um, I have what, 200 followers. I don't even know. Like, I don't pay attention to right. it anymore because it's like I'm I know. I'm not ever going to get the same amount of number of followers. Oh, there goes the fin <laughs> meowing at me. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm never going to get the same number of followers that like that some of these people are going to get because of a, a number of reasons. April Vokey, who's this, she's got an amazing podcast and she's a great influence or regarding um, fly fishing. She she was talking about this a, a couple of years ago, and maybe it was last year, um, talking about w- women in fishing and how there's people didn't take her seriously for um, a number of reasons. And she's like, I'm a professional, like she used to be a guide, like yeah. fishing people in these. Yeah, I think she. The, so the girl's name also about is Kristen uh, Fisher. Kristen Fisher. I think they're they're buddies. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But that, but see, this is like a a problem all in all, and I think this is it transcends you know any kind of reality. <laughs> he's meowing at me. any sort of reality, right? Where it's like you should be following people on social media that inspire you, yeah. right? Like people that really um, bring value. And I think that it, things have gone awry where you know people are looking for likes or looking for. Um, looking for followers right. based on the wrong thing well, like and i mean i'm not judging them because it, god bless you if you if you can do that if you can get a million followers for whatever well, you know cool well here's but, the like, truth of the matter your issue specifically my daughter 17 years old very pretty girl if she put on a bikini and and, and threw a rod in the water she could get five ten thousand likes and, and have sponsors knocking down her door i wouldn't let her do that because i think it's really kind of pro-ho-ish and, and thirsty and, and you know in the other hand, I do get why, you know, some of these YouTube influencers in the fishing world get sponsorships because they, they drive, you know, people to fish. But to me, from, from what I've experienced and other guys I've talked to, that whole 
you know, the whole social media platform has really made it a lot harder for guys who are actually fishing the right trails, cashing checks, and, and consistently doing well to get sponsors. I feel like it shouldn't be that way. I'm not even talking about sponsors who are, are, are paying you or even, you know, paying your entrance fee. I'm talking just sponsors who maybe give you product, I don't know, 40% off, 50% off. It, it just it doesn't yeah. happen. Like I said, I mean, well, it's it's about yeah. attention. I, I think that's it, that it's all what it comes down to, right? And you're a businessman. I'm a businessman. Well, it's free marketing too, because like, they call it, yeah. yeah, yeah. And that's you're bringing you you go to the people that have the attention, right? And for whatever reason, it doesn't necessarily matter in today's world as much as it did mm-hmm. once, right? And you provide like just really the <laughs> the yeah. looks on it right like you're just getting the views and it doesn't matter how many people are liking it you have micro influencers now and um i mean we, we talked about this last week as well you and i offline and i said you know like you, you talk about things going viral it's like a lot of people are starting to create things that are like fake viral yeah. like things that they are mapping as being something that's you know just so happens to occur and they're doing it on purpose so that they can try and drum up views. Well, that another thing is which can can't then, you buy yeah you know followers basically aren't there companies who basically you pay them and they they basically get you followers am i wrong yeah i mean yeah oh yeah yeah well and then i i found out this the the hard way um last week so you know, my personal Instagram account, I'm kind of winding it down a little bit and, you know, unfriending and, and, you know, deleting people that I don't talk to, like keeping it on a personal level. And um, people on a personal level now, like yeah. just everyday people, people who aren't influencers are downloading apps to really get a um, an understanding of their followers and to know when someone unfollows or follows them based <laughs> on their name. And this guy emailed me after I unfriended him. And this is a guy I haven't talked to in years. And I said, he emails me and goes, like after four hours afterwards, in the middle of the night, like <laughs> 2 o'clock in the morning, he's like, you know, I'm so sorry to hear that you were no longer friends. Oh, wow. Here. You know, I wish you the best of luck in your life. And it's like, like, this goes, our universal truth that yeah. we've been talking about all these weeks now is, is like, you have to have a life off. Oh, yeah. Like, I don't live. I don't live to record things. Like I'm doing things on a day to day basis that I don't talk about. That I don't really, you know, record. If I'm hiking locally right. or going for walks or whatever, or playing with my cat. Like you do the same thing. And it's like, I. If you don't want to follow me, I get it. If you don't want to be friends with me on there because I don't know you on my personal account, I'm cool with that. But like, I'm not friending people that I don't know. Yeah, no. Like, that's I, I keep. You know, my personal stuff for mostly really close friends. Right, that's and how family. I am. And then, you know, yeah. And then everything else is, is a little bit different. But, um, yeah, I, I think it all kind of goes hand in hand where we just have this society that is. And I think this is a global society issue, a microcosm of social media where you want the attention. And it's all about attention and it's all about yeah. attention for you. Well, and people will do anything to try and keep that attention. And it's a, I'm not saying it's everybody, yeah. but it's most people. Well, see, in my opinion, like relating this to the fishing world in the tournament scene, I, I think it kind of hurts the industry in a way, you know, because 
the guys who are out there really doing it and really put it in the time are, are just getting passed by for, I don't know, Joe Schmo on YouTube has 20,000 followers and fishes palms. Right. You know, right. like, right. like I said, I'm not even talking about sponsorships who are, who are paying your tournament fees or, or paying you money. I'm, I'm talking about basically like entry-level sponsorships where like, hey, you get discounts at X amount. It's just, it's tough. Like my one buddy, he, he actually got, like I said, three the past years he's been in the running for angler of the year the one year he lost up like three points i think he's had victories i mean i I can't even tell you how many top tens he's had and he got invited to that new bass um fishing league the pro fishing league i forget what it's called american bass something fishing league he got invited to that and he is still having a tough time picking up sponsors like last time i was talking to him we were talking about it he was like you know i He's like, I just don't have the time to devote myself to the social media like that. But you got you got to play the well, game. Well, here's the thing. That's what it comes e- down to. And, and you know, even yeah. if you watch like the top pros have YouTube channels and fish the tournament trails, like say like David Dudley or Scott Martin. There's tournaments where they're so in the zone, they're not filming the whole thing because they're not thinking about that. You know, it, they don't have it on. But then yeah. again, a person like Scott Martin has so much he has made such a good living for himself fishing that he's able to afford to have a, a camera guy who goes everywhere with him and films and edits and does it for him for someone like me in season yeah. like when i'm fishing or practicing for a tournament 98 percent of the time i don't even take pictures of the fish because it just doesn't cross my mind you know it's you're just so in the zone and, and, and working on what you got to do that, that, that thought's not there. Well, I, in, in my case, I find like a lot of the times I'm trying to be a good steward of, of yeah. nature and trying to make sure that the fish is being returned right. to the water. Yeah, that too. That's possible. And it, it's, if you're filming yourself or you're trying to take pictures, it's not always possible, especially depending upon where you are in the situation. It's nice if you have someone yeah. with you that can do it, but I, it's just, it's, it's a weird situation, Joe. And I, you know, we all only have so much time in the day True. and we only have so much attention and so much capital that we can give as far as our attention goes that it's like, you know, only I can only watch so many fishing videos right. and look at so many fishing pictures. Like, like it, I, it doesn't matter who you are. Like, I don't have the time in the day to sit around and just surf the internet and, or, you know, go on YouTube and watch these videos right. ad nauseum. It's not, it can't happen. And just like this, like, you know, podcasting, like I used to subscribe to, you know, dozens of podcasts, but I can right. only There's listen to so many a week because I'm also listening to audiobooks. I have phone calls for work. I've got other things going on. It's like, you know, you have to decide what's important to you and go after that so for sponsorships it's it's kind of like it's kind of like in the business world right like i've dealt with it's you do what you can you find out what's necessary to um succeed and if that's really what it is you want you have to that is true well this year i'm going to start i will be filming all my tournaments in in practice to see how that goes good Um, and you should but then again i have me, I, I'm a different scenario. So I do have more time than probably the average guy out there fishing these tournaments. So I, I couldn't imagine 
be one of those guys who, you know, who has to work 40 hours a week, sometimes even more. And then you have to fish your tournaments. You got to put the time into that to succeed. And then on top of it, work on that social media presence. Because like, to me, like I used to own a skateboard, snowboard, surf shop. So to me, it always goes back to like, you know, I was very familiar with how sponsorship works in those industries. And it's still the same. Whether you're a snowboarder or skater or surfer, you don't get sponsorships just because you have 20,000 followers. If you can't surf or you can't skate, you're not going to get them. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. it, it's a double-edged sword. Um, we'll, we'll link, I, I'll give you the link to that podcast so you can, we can link to that one episode they talked about because – they they hit on some more and some finer details and um you know no but i think it's a, you know i will definitely yeah. put it in the show notes and i'll, I'll put april vokies as well in there i think it, it's food for thought because it, it is I, I mean we have so many problems in society right but like i said you can only have right. you only have so much time in the day to care about so many things and it's like you know like your buddy is in a situation where he should be oh, getting no doubt should be there's, getting there's no doubt right but, but if there's a barrier for entrance, he needs to True. find a way to break it. And like, I would love to, you know, I love helping people and helping them figure well, out this stuff out. I try to do it on my own accord a lot. And it's like, so how do you, one of my buddies, um, he was an FLW pro, pro tour member for 14 years. Um, I'm not going to say his name, but you know, he was at the big time for yeah. 14 years. I mean, he, he was fishing back then where there was like team sponsorship deals with big companies like, uh, I don't Downey was one of them. I think, um, companies like that Walmart, there's a Walmart team. There's teams like that. And last time I was fishing with him, we were talking about sponsorships. And at that time I, I wasn't grasping on what he was saying, but he was saying to me, like, it's so much harder now to get sponsor than it was back then when he started in, in the late nineties and through the two thousands. And I was kind of like, you know, I was saying to him, I was like, that doesn't make much sense because fishing has grown so much since then. Yeah. You know, he grew up in the South. So I was thinking, I was saying to him, maybe you just don't see it because you grew up with tournament fishing down there. You know, it, it, it's a lot different growing up down there back then fishing than it was up here. And I, you know, I kept going back to you know how huge fishing is now, and he kept saying, "No, I'm telling you, it's so much more difficult." He actually qualified for um, the Fish the Elite series, the Bassmaster Elite series, and he was telling me back in the day, we're talking ten years ago, you'd have companies knocking down your door to pay your entrance fees. He he couldn't get a company in time to help him pay the entrance fees, and, and those fees are, I think are like forty grand for the year. So he had to back out of it. And he was telling me, you know, back back in the day, the companies were knocking down your door if you were fishing the tournaments. But now I see it. The social media end of it is really, I think, digging into the, 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 the tournament side, which I, I just – I guess what I'm getting at, I, I think there needs to be a better split. You know, I, I hope that starts happening where the companies realize, okay – we need to pay attention to the social media guys and we also need to pay attention to the serious tournament anglers who are out there grinding these trails trying to make it to the big time so that's my rant yeah no no that, that's a great rant joe and um 
I, you know, I wish your friend nothing but the best, and I, I know who you're talking oh. about. So I, you know, wish, I literally Dude, yeah. wish him you know the, the other thing that drives you know. me nuts. Like when you go on Instagram, there's they're newer companies. I get what they're doing, and, and they'll sponsor everybody. They'll say, "Oh, we'll sponsor you. We'll put you on the the pro the promo team, the pro team, promotional team." And basically, what it is, they want you to buy their stuff, and then they give you a ten percent discount. They want you to do all the fishing, take pictures of their gear, send it to them, and they take it i mean that's another thing that kind of gets me a little bit because you have a whole bunch of young kids who think they're pro anglers in meantime they're nothing more than just a walking billboard you know yeah but it's got to snap back and or evolve right we're constantly evolving i think the industry fishing industry all industries are evolving so rapidly that people need to get their head around it a little bit more and i think even the these businesses need to better understand what the rois are i think that's something that you know i work in tech and i was talking to someone today about something and we were talking about data and becoming data-centric organizations and a lot of companies love to talk about being data-centric or talk about their past and digital transformation but nobody uses data to make decisions. I mean, I could tell you, first and foremost, a lot of these big companies don't do that. And you think that a, like a smaller company that's not a massive Fortune 500 is going to use data to determine where their yeah. sponsorship dollars are going? It's more than likely not going to happen. So until technology reaches a point where they can leverage it easier or like, let's say, Instagram or whatever platform, right. out, Parler, Gab, whatever it is that's next, until someone figures out exactly how to get the metrics as to what the ROI is on these investments, uh, you're going to well, continue to have this problem where you're, you're getting these right. well, random Well, for example, before we started doing the, you know, recording the podcast today, I was watching um, the weigh-in for the Bassmaster Open Series, the Central Division, day one of the weigh-ins. And I, I think there's something like 80,000 people watching that at 3 o'clock on a Thursday. That was just at the beginning. I'm pretty sure the Opens get around 100K easy for their views. So the, the, the money's there. I, I just – sometimes I think – don't get me wrong. There's definitely influencers out there who deserve the sponsorships. Don't get me wrong. But I just think some of – this is going to come back to bite some of the companies in, in, in the backside. You know, it's just me. No, and I don't disagree with you. I, I think it's, it's because people, you know, I, I know a bit about all of that. People think, you know, yeah, these guys, right. when they make the pro circus, you know, they think they're rich, you know, they're making these big bucks, you know, like they're making major leagues or NHL. Cause most pro sports, when you make it, you're, you're making enough to make a living. But if you're a new and up and comer and you make it into one of these leagues, you're not making big money if you're not, you know, finishing in the money, if you're not getting top 30s. Um, you know, they, they really got to go out there and prove themselves and get the sponsors and get the endorsements. And it, it's a tough road. But do, do you think, but, but think of it this way, right? Like I, I, I recently watched the uh, Michael right. Jordan. Uh, ESPN thing, and I can't, the name of it's eluding me right now, but um, talking about the attention that was received on that team at that time frame, and specifically, you know, the worm, Dennis Rodman, right? Like, Dennis Rodman 
was a phenomenal player, but why was he so popular? Because he commanded the attention, and it may have been attention for the wrong well, reasons. I, I won't. So I was a big basketball guy. I, like, like and when he played for the Pistons and even the Bulls, he was a hell of a player, and he first got his notoriety oh, from sure. that. And then, yeah, a little later in the career, he definitely went a little cuckoo, if you want to call it that. But, but. Back to my buddy who was <laughs> on the tour. So back in the 90s, it, it, up until I think like 2010 or 12, when you – so every year, like the, the different sponsors have teams. That, that, that didn't mean you guys fished together. You were just on that sponsor team. You guys are sponsored by the same people. My buddy was telling me back then, you – off the bat, you got a 30 – I think it was $36,000 a year for an entry-level guy. If you're a bigger name, you got more. That was just a flat salary. You got 36000 Then you got a free truck, a Toyota. Then you got your free boat wrapped. Then you had your sponsorship money from your other sponsors who weren't the big name ones, like your fishing brands. Then if you placed in the top 30, you were getting money. So back then, they, they could make a living doing it. Like, And I don't know. Oh, I don't know. Just, just my gripe is just... It's sad to see because the guy, I mean, he could still compete. You know, it's, it's tough to hear that he he went through the Opens. In the Opens, they call the Bass Opens like purgatory. I mean, you could be an amazing angler and you're trying to make the least and you're just stuck in there because there's so many good guys trying to make it. And he made it. I mean, he, he should be fishing this coming season there. But he had to pay his fees up front. He didn't have, I don't I forget the exact amount. I think it was upwards of 40, 50 grand at his disposal right at that second. And he didn't have enough time to dig out a sponsor who, who would help him with it because they needed, you know, he made it, they needed the money by X amount of time. So he had to turn it down. I mean, that, that's, that's a tough pill to swallow. Yeah. Well, do you see this as, do you see this as the ongoing trend? Do you think you were telling me something about Mike Iaconelli, right? Um, can you touch upon that real quick? Uh, well, I honestly, he le- I forget what it was. So the like, MLF going a mile had, had some big guys leaving this year. Um, Ike being one of them. Um, so far, Ike hasn't said what series he's going to fish this coming season or if he is. Who knows? I'm going to go out on a limb and say he's going to, you know, this is purely speculative. But yeah, he's been doing that's, a lot that's of that's my, my I'm kayak fishing. He might do the circuit, like a kayak circuit. Um, he was part owner at one time or of the MLF or yeah. So, you know, I I don't know, you know, when the MLF started, I wasn't a fan of the format. I thought it was kind of gimmicky with the referee and, you know, the first year they were weighing fish like a pound. So they were catching 41 pounders and it didn't do for me. And a lot of other guys I spoke to, they didn't like it. Actually of all the guys I spoke to, only one guy, my one buddy, liked it. And then this past year, I think they raised it up to like a two-pound minimum. But it was still – it was all the fish you catch. And they still had the referee. They still have penalties. I don't know how you get penalized in fishing. But, you know, one of the penalties is that, like, if you catch a fish and you're bringing in, that fish can't touch your boat. So you know what it's like when you take a fish off a hook, that thing's thrashing around. And they're not allowed to use nets, so no nets. <laughs> So you got to boat flip the fish in, right? Happened this week. You got to lift yeah. it, take it off the hook, put it on the referee scale, and any time before it gets the referee scale, if that fish 
touches the floor of your boat, you get like a two-minute penalty where you can't fish. Or if you, when you go to put the fish back in the water, like if you don't, I think your elbow has to be over the side of the boat when you release the fish. And if it's not, that's a two-minute penalty. They just made it really gimmicky with these refs. And, you know, I'm a fan of go out there, bring your five best back to the scale. Because to me, in my opinion, that makes the guys, A, fish harder and catch want to catch the bigger ones. B, it's it it also, in my opinion, makes it better for the people watching it, you know, to see them come back with good bags rather than sitting there and watching a guy catch a hundred two pound fish or a pound fish. Like to me that's not fun. Mm-hmm. So then this year I started hearing some rumblings from people who actually fish in the MLF that they, they they weren't enjoying it, and uh, and, and and quite a few big names left. Um, so I, I don't know. We'll we'll see what happens there. I I see I see it being an upward trend trend though. Sorry, um, and I think I, I don't know. I it, it, something's got to give at some point, and I, I know it's a widely popular sport. And uh, to be completely honest, I. I yeah. When you fish, that might well, be the only time I dude. <laughs> I watch the way it. But I can't. I can't do it, man. So, like I, like, I'm not. But see, I'm not a big sport watcher. Well, I'm, let, I'm let a big fish. sport player. So this year, the like because I can't uh, do Corona, it. the Bassmaster elites were on ESPN two live, and you would. It was amazing to watch. Phenomenal the way they covered it because they would go from boat to boat to boat. So you're always seeing catches and stuff. So, at the end of the season. Bassmaster, I think just like a week or two ago, announced it was leaving his contract with ESPN and is moving to Fox, Fox Sports. And they're going to be, really? there's talk they're going to be doing more live events because they were getting great viewership. Like, they they really have it dialed in great. Like, and it was never dull to watch. To me, like the MLF, like I tried. Like, it's, it's just really gimmicky. Like, when to me, that's my opinion. When you think fishing, you don't think referees. Like, why? No, not at all. Have a referee when you're fishing. Like, no. When I think when I think of fishing, I think of watching yeah. Bill dance on what was it Saturday mornings or Sunday. Like that. That's what I think of, and it was um, always interesting to watch. But uh, the tournament for me, I. I, maybe it's just because yeah. I was a little bit jaded from the few tournaments I attempted to watch. It just seemed very boring, and it's, oh, like it's... watching golf. For those of you who love watching golf, I can't do it. Like, but don't get me wrong; the thing. I'll play golf. The first I, televised I no one this year, I'll send you it, it, and you'll you'll be hooked because <laughs> the way they do it, right. they did it this year on ESPN too. Is I don't know. They might have had they started the day out, I think, with like ten or twelve camera guys in boats, and then. Throughout the day, the cameras would switch to other boats depending on who was catching them. So it, it was, you know, pretty good nonstop fish catching. And then on top of that, like, you have the guys talking about what they're throwing, like, what they're thinking, what, you know, why they're fishing, where they're fishing, and throwing what they're throwing. It, it's, it's came a long ways. Yeah, see that. That's see, I'm is. a big fan of that because I think yes. there's a lot of knowledge that you can do that you can gain from watching these things, and that's. I mean, that's why I love YouTube. And, and Don always laughs at me. I'm sitting here watching fishing shows while I'm working or whatever, and it's like, 
she's like why are you watching fishing right. it's like because i'm learning yeah. invaluable information here like these guys are, are professionals or yep. these women are professionals and it's like i don't have the knowledge that they have and i've been fishing for well, what yep. over 30 years well, like, also watching this i mean it, it really gives you a good insight of the life of a professional fisherman and even though they're the best in the world, there are still days in tournaments where they struggle, like, and they still have the same, yeah. you know, days that a normal angler has. They they'll still backlash your reels, you know. It, it, it's it's cool to see that yep. end of it, but like with with my thing is like when you watch professional sports, what's supposed to be quote unquote the professional level, they're supposed to be doing the best in that that area. They're supposed to be the best of the best. MLF to me with that catch as many fish as you can a day total weight kind of takes away from that because it it almost incentivizes the guys to go out and catch tons of the cookie cutters or smaller smaller fish to get the the, the quantity yeah. over the quality where the the other tournaments you're watching the best guys catching the best fish in those bodies of water my two cents well I, no, I like it. And uh, Joe, yeah. you know, we're trying to keep these down a little bit in time. And, I, you know, we're coming up on the end. I think, you know, I, I brought up some really great points. And, you know, we'll diversify a little bit next well, week and talk about uh, some other things. Next week we but, can um, I try to do uh, appreciate you bringing two, that up. two podcasts, maybe at 40 minutes or something. We'll see. Yeah, yeah, I would love that. Um, and, you know, maybe. We'll diversify, kinda, yeah. Yeah, we'll talk about it, but we'll diversify a little bit. And, it, you know, I promise everyone it's no, not always going to be I, talking about bass fishing because yeah. what Joe and I the like next one will get back well. to some more of the, um, the out there stuff. And, we like <laughs> <laughs> outdoor things. Yeah. Well, Joe, thank you, man. As always, it's uh, great catching up. Anytime, and thank you, everyone Thanks, for everybody. And talk, talk to you soon, man. See ya.